Good morning, brothers and sisters from Living Word Bible Church. Uh, Simon Jackson here with you this morning. I'm uh, coming to you from uh, Little Shed Productions. I'm here in my shed. Um, I don't know if you can see around me. I've, I've cleaned up a little bit, perhaps, since uh, last time we were together. Uh, but I hope uh, this morning you are well. Uh, you're trusting Jesus and uh, you're finding great comfort and hope and peace in knowing Jesus amidst the COVID-19 challenge. Uh, I'm going to bring you a message in just a moment's time, but I just thought I'd share with you really quickly um, a book that I've found really helpful uh, in the past uh, in dealing with um, uncertainty and challenge and uh, pain and suffering. Um, And it's this book here uh, by Tim Keller, uh, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Tim Keller um, is a pastor, a church leader in New York City, um, and he's uh, an influential speaker and a great understanding of the Word of God and the Gospel, and he's been a great blessing to many over many years. But this book in particular is really helpful. Um, it's a book that is um, it's, it's easy to read. It, it, it kind of looks kind of thick, but it's not actually that hard to read. It's, don't be overwhelmed by that. Um, it's, it's biblically rich. Um, it's well-written, and it's actually... One of its strengths, I think, is that Tim writes from a fairly personal perspective at various points along the way of his own experience of suffering um, and his pastoring of many people who have suffered as well. So um, I can highly recommend this as a resource uh, to help you navigate not just this challenging time, um, but um, to help you understand challenging times that you've already experienced and prepare you for challenging times that uh, you may well um, very likely experience um, down the track. So um, Tim Keller's uh, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. I can uh, I can recommend that to you today. Uh, we're going to get into God's Word. Um, would you turn up Mark chapter 6 and verse 45 and following? Um, as you do that, uh, let's, let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, uh, we are weak and we often struggle to comprehend you. Lord, we, we struggle to comprehend what we um, already know of you, we struggle to love you and to love other people. And so we thank you, Lord, that you are the God who is all-sufficient and the God who in Christ has given us everything we need for salvation, for life and for godliness. Lord, thank you that you speak to us. Uh, We pray that once more you would speak to us by your word, through your spirit and produce in us a Christ-likeness. Strengthen us, Lord, to to face our sin, Lord, to throw ourselves on you, to to run to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. Lord, to live in a way, we pray, uh, that promotes your glory in the world and leads us uh, into more and more joy. So work in us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Got a question for you as we get together around God's Word this morning. Here's the question. Are you an identity amnesiac? Are you an identity amnesiac? Do you easily forget who you are in Christ, uh, what you have in Jesus, who you are in Jesus? Um, I often do. Um, Over these past few weeks, um, as I've been leading church and leading my family and, and in some ways, I guess, under God leading myself, I've often forgot who I am what I have in Jesus. And it's often when I take my eye off Jesus, that's when I'm going to get into a little bit of a tailspin. Adele, my wife, will tell you that there's been a few days over the last month or so where I've kind of, I don't know, flipped out. And it's because I've 
often forgot about who I am. But more than that, I've forgotten about who Jesus is. Are you an identity amnesiac? Um, I've been reading through Mark's Gospel over the past few weeks and and I've been leading our church in teaching us um, from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1 through to 8, over the past few weeks. Um, And so teaching the Bible on Sundays um, and uh, and leading us through some small group devotions as well. Um, Mark chapter 6 always stops me in my tracks. Um, I don't know if it does for you. Um, In particular, that event where Jesus calms the storm, Mark chapter 6 verse 45 and following. So would you follow along with me as I read Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 52. Immediately, uh, he, Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After he had taken leave of them, he went up on a mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. And the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. I want you, just firstly, as we reflect on this passage, to to look closely at what it says. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them being battered as they rode because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. Walking on the sea. Walking on the sea. Walking on the sea. I mean, please don't try that at home, right? Walking on the sea. I think we are too passive here as God's people. You know, have you had your coffee this morning? Jesus walking on the sea. I think we have a tendency as God's people sometimes to to read the Bible a little bit passively um, with a little bit of, I don't know, biblical familiarity or, or paralysis, right? And by doing that, we don't fully interact with the passage. That phrase, right, walking on the sea, is the linchpin. It's the turning point. It's the exploding moment in this particular passage in this story. Because the minute Jesus takes that walk on the sea, we're confronted with two things. Here's the first thing. This is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is the Lord God Almighty. He's the king. He's the creator. He can do anything with his creation that he wants to do. This is the Lord. The average person doesn't take a walk on the water. So what Mark is trying to do is demonstrate that Jesus of Nazareth is in fact the Son of God. Case closed, deal done, argument one. This is the Lord, bow down and worship. You know, as in most of the passages throughout the first half of Mark's gospel, the primary emphasis here is Christological. What that means is, who is Jesus? 
What are we to understand about this person, Jesus? And here we see that Jesus' divine authority is centre stage as he once again exhibits his mastery on and over creation. You know, just as God, as Yahweh, treads on the mighty seas, Job chapter 9, verse 8, and made a a way through the, the sea at the Exodus, Exodus chapter 13, so Jesus walks on water toward his disciples. Similarly, just as Yahweh passed by Moses, Exodus 33, and passed by Elijah, 1 Kings 19, to reveal his glory, so does Jesus here reveal his glory and reveal his divine authority by passing in front of the disciples in the boat. Wow. So here we are confronted afresh this morning with Jesus, God himself, with all of God's authority. It's marvellous. But there's something else that we should also notice, very critical to our understanding of this passage. Think with me. The minute Jesus takes that walk, you know what he has in his, on his mind. The minute Jesus takes that walk, you, you know what his ten- intentions are for this moment. If all Jesus wanted to do, right, was remove the difficulty, he wouldn't have had to take the walk, right? Um, All he would have to have done was stay where he was, sitting on the land, a little bit away from where the disciples were, and, I don't know, from the shore, speak the words, peace, be still. And the water would have stilled in response to its creator's voice, creator's word. The wind would have died down, The waves would have gone calm and the boys in the boat would have rowed the rest of the way to Galilee. Yet the minute Jesus takes that walk, you know that he's not after the difficulty. He's after the disciples in the middle of the difficulty. He wants to do something in the the hearts and the lives of his disciples who are in the midst of a hard time. He's not after making life easy in that moment. He's after transforming the men, his people, in that moment. Yes, the wind is still blowing. Yes, the waves are still crashing. The boat is still bobbing up and down. But Jesus now injects himself into the scene. He's right there with his disciples. And it's not just anyone right there with his disciples. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with his disciples, the one upon whom all God's covenant promises rest, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who created the world, created you and me with a simple word, the one who holds everything together by his power, the one who is sovereign over every experience you will ever be in, that I will ever be in. The great I am has invaded the world. It's beautiful, isn't it? When Jesus is walking on the water and he comes into the midst of the circumstances of the disciples, which is hard and challenging and scary and frightening and anxiety-provoking, Jesus says, you know, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And when Jesus says, it is I, the language there is in Greek, a little bit of Greek's good for you, it's ego me," which is I am. And so as Jesus comes into their drama, he says, I am is with you. Echoes of 
the title that God gave to Moses to go before Pharaoh with. Who shall I go? Who In whose name do I go to Pharaoh? Tell them, tell him I am sent you. And Jesus turns up and says, take heart, ego Amy, I am. I am here. Don't be afraid. In this story on the water, we see that the great I am has invaded the world. The, the great I am, if you're a Christian here today, has invaded your life by grace. You know, it's impossible for any one of us who is in Jesus, who by grace has come to know the beauty of Jesus, the life-giving death of Jesus, the death-crushing crushing resurrection of Jesus. If you know him, it's impossible for you to be in any circumstance, good, bad, poor, rich, healthy, unwell, for you not to have the great I am with you. See, I am has invaded your life by grace. The I am is here. The I am is here. The great I am is here. The I am is with you, with me. You know, throughout church history, brothers and sisters, this passage has been understood as Christ's rescue from the storms of life. Whilst we need to be cautious about over-allegorizing passages like this, the challenges that the disciples face are certainly analogous to the spiritual battles that we face, the physical challenges that we face. And Lord knows, right, we are in the midst of a, a physical challenge right now, and many would say it's also a spiritual challenge right now. But just as the disciples rode hour after hour but made little progress, so sometimes it seems like you and I are going nowhere in the headwinds of life. It can at times feel like we're making no progress, that the great I am isn't with us. But it's in times like these that these words from Jesus are wonderful encouragements. Amen? You know, notice again, brothers and sisters, that Jesus doesn't deliver his disciples to the land, although we have recorded in John chapter 6, verse 21, that he does such a thing. But in this case, right, Jesus doesn't just sort of whisk his disciples out of their tricky situation and land them on the land. No, he enables them, though, to continue in their journey. God doesn't always remove the obstacles from our lives, but he does calm the winds. And he does give us strength to push on toward our goal. So this day, tomorrow, and every day, rest secure in God's grace. And trust him in all situations. Even today, there is, you would agree, so much uncertainty still around COVID-19. Its impacts locally, although we are doing pretty well here in Adelaide and South Australia, but there is still a significant amount of uncertainty as to when will restrictions be lifted? When will we be able to get together again? Will I get the virus? If I get the virus, will it go badly for me? If I get the virus, will I hardly even notice? We, we don't really know many of the answers to those questions. But we do know that I am is with us always. We know that the I am is with us in sickness and in health. We know that the great I am is with us whether we're poor or whether we're wealthy. We know that the great I am is with us whether we are employed, whether we are unemployed. God is with us. 
And that is a wonderful truth, a beautiful reality. Again, the reminder that he doesn't pluck us out of tricky situations often, but he's with us in the midst of those obstacles, within the midst of those challenges. So brothers and sisters, don't forget that the great I am is with you always. I am is with us. Jesus is with us. Remember who you are and remember that Jesus is with you always, both now to the end of this age and for eternity. Let's pray, shall we? And as we pray together, I'm going to pray in response to what we've thought about just now, but also lead us to to pray about some more broader things that are going on in our world as well, Uh, both in the church at Living Word, in our wider community, and to the ends of the earth. So would you bow your heads or kneel on the floor, maybe, wherever you are, do whatever you normally do, but let's focus in and and listen and engage at the end by saying a hearty amen. That would be a really good thing to do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you uh, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are sorry for being uh, such forgetful people. Thanks for your word and thank you for reminding us afresh today of your presence in our lives and the power we have in Christ to live, knowing that we are secure and knowing that we are loved. Father, we pray uh, for our world. Lord, we pray that you would lead uh, leaders of our world in the direction of of being able to make wise decisions, to make wise and right actions for the welfare of all. Father, do set all the nations of the world on a path of righteousness and peace. We pray particularly, Lord, for the leaders of our nation, especially Prime Minister Scott Morrison. We pray also for our Premier, Stephen Marshall. And Father, Uphold all who exercise authority in this land. Enable them to uphold justice, to restrain wickedness and promote integrity and truth. Father, in particular at this time, um, help our leaders nationally, um, at a state level, at a local government level, help them to continue to make wise decisions around COVID-19. Lord, we pray that... uh, as they consider together uh, the lifting of restrictions progressively, may they do that in a wise way. May they not feel pressure, but act in line with what our experts are telling them. And Lord, help us to continue, Father, to pray for all those in authority, kings and and all others. And and Lord, in particular, we pray that so that uh, we would all be able to live peaceful and quiet lives freeing us, giving us opportunity, Lord, we pray to promote the good news of Jesus in word and deed. Because, Lord, we know from your word, 1 Timothy chapter 2, you want us to pray and you do seek that all people would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would comfort and sustain everyone in this fleeting life who is in sorrow, need, sickness or any other distress. Firstly, Lord, we bring before you all those people both in our country but also right around the world 
who are grieving right now because of the loss of loved ones because of COVID-19. Do comfort, Lord. Do minister to these people. Lord and Father, would you rally around these men and women and families, people who know your hope and truth, that they might point people gently to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Lord, closer to home, we pray for those people at Living Word Church who are struggling at the moment physically. Lord, we pray in particular for George. We pray, Father, for the situation with his lungs. Lord, we pray that you'd bring healing when, uh, where possible. Guide the doctors to make wise decisions about test results and, and moves that need to be made there. Lord, we continue to pray for Gloria, Lord, and ask that she would recover fully from her recent back surgery. Lord, for Helen, as she receives chemotherapy, we pray that it would be successful. But, Lord, we pray in particular that you would help her to overcome a recent adverse reaction uh, to the chemo. For Kate B, Lord, we pray, Lord, that she just takes some time to, uh, yeah, to receive some care in hospital. Father, we pray that you would minister to her in that moment and would you, you would um, all that is necessary to take place there that you would fulfil and Lord, we also celebrate um, the recent engagement of Morag to Peter. Lord, we pray that you would uh, knit them together, uh, Lord, and as they plan for uh, their wedding, Father, may that be a great celebration and reflection of your love for your church. Lord, we pray for your church. We pray that you would pour out your spirit on your church so that all who acknowledge your holy name may agree in, truth, in the truth of your word and live in unity and godly love. Lord, we pray for Living Word Bible Church in this season of COVID-19 and in this season of change. Lord, that you would strengthen your church at Living Word, that you would unite your church at Living Word, and that you would inspire your church um, to continue to contend for the gospel in word and in deed. Help them all to shine at the light of Christ, his compassion, his care, his forgiveness, his hope, wherever they find themselves. And Father, give grace to us all. Lord, help us to continue to receive your word with humble and obedient hearts, to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. And Lord, we do just conclude by remembering, Father, and praising you for all those we know who've died in the faith of Christ. Lord, help us to follow their good examples, that with them we may inherit your heavenly kingdom. And so, Father, hear us for the sake of Jesus Christ, our only mediator and advocate. And all God's people said, Amen.